kicking us off tonight, two of our favourite Indigenous commentators with a look at what's making news. Dana Morse, ABC Federal Reporter of Indigenous Affairs based in Canberra. Dana is from the uh, Planjamaran Palawa mob in Tasmania. And Hannah McGlade is on the line from WA where she's an Associate Professor at Curtin Law School and a member of the UN Permanent Forum for Indigenous Issues and Hannah's from the Kurun Menang people. Hannah, we'll come to you in a bit when we'll be discussing the voice to Parliament and the pending referendum. But Dana, would you be kind enough to give us a, a brief recap of what's been happening in the Northern Territory that uh, saw the Prime Minister whip up there on Tuesday? Yeah, hi, Philip. It's great to be back with you and I wish that we were uh, talking about happier things. But uh, what's happened in the Territory this week is uh, been a real problem. We've seen, as you said, the Prime Minister was there for a fly-in, fly-out visit yesterday along with uh, some Indigenous members of his party, including the Indigenous Australians Minister Linda Burney, uh, Senator Patrick Dodson, and the Senator for Northern, the Northern Territory, Malindiri McCarthy, and the member for Lingiari, Marion Scrimgeour, uh, they were there uh, looking at what's been called a crime crisis in Alice Springs. Now, there have been concerns about the level of uh, the level of crime, uh, particularly robberies and car thefts that have been going on in Alice Springs for quite some time, uh, but it's been pushed along in particular uh, by Peter Dutton, aided by the Mayor of Alice Springs, uh, and resulted in the Prime Minister flying there yesterday and announcing in line with the uh, Northern Territory Government and the Chief Minister, Natasha Files that there would be new restrictions imposed on alcohol sales in Alice Springs. Uh, it's a bit of a return to intervention era policies that sunsetted midway through last year. What we've seen today has been a whole lot of finger pointing and blame shifting from federal labour, from state labour and from the opposition over whose fault it was that those laws sunsetted uh, and left uh, Alice Springs in the mess that it's now found itself. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people are saying that these alcohol bans are actually not the way forward and that this is going to just further entrench the problems that we see there. But we should, we should recognise that liquor became legal in some communities for the first time in 15 years. Mm, yeah, it, it, that all happened as a result of the 2007 intervention by the Howard government um, and that saw a whole heap of controls placed on Alice Springs communities, uh, Alice Springs Northern Territory communities, uh, and, and one of those things was alcohol bans. But what it seems hasn't been done successfully is the wraparound supports because as soon as the bans have lifted, the alcohol has returned. And some people will, will say it never left. The secondary market for alcohol has always been strong in the Northern Territory, maybe people weren't buying it from BWS and Coles and Woolworths, but they've always been able to access it on the on the Facebook or black market. So the, pre, the PM has announced a partial ban. How will that play out? Well, so what they've put in place for now is you can't buy alcohol for takeaway uh, on Monday and Tuesday and there are restricted hours for sale for the rest of the week. Um, well, that sounds like an exercise in futility. 
It does, doesn't it? I can't you know, this this is a complex problem. I think what's missing from this discussion here is how complex the reasons that alcohol use and crime are so high in Alice Springs. It goes back beyond the intervention. It goes back to colonisation. And the fact is those that's not being addressed. If you just bring in this, and this is what the experts are saying, this is what the people on the ground are saying, if you bring in a punitive carceral response I mean, that's what they did 15 years ago, didn't help one bit. Now we're seeing it repeated today and it's it's very difficult to reconcile with the fact that we know so much more now and that there are better responses and they're being offered up to the government. There just doesn't seem to be an appetite to act on them. Let's now welcome Hannah. I think there'll uh, be a review in a week's time, but uh, Hannah, is this whole issue highlighting what might have been achieved had there already been an Indigenous voice to Parliament? I think it is. We've had uh, these top-down government policies and approaches which really haven't engaged in a respectful relationship with Indigenous people, haven't um, honoured the principle, the fundamental principle of self-determination, which is... uh, very clearly set out in the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And so I read today, for example, in The Guardian that the traditional people from the Arante uh, people said that uh, these these issues really um, are related to neglect from um, government that goes back decades and that Australia people would be very shocked if we knew what was actually happening. And, And we need to know, we need to hear... Uh, uh, we need uh, a voice that can actually bring to light the issues from the people who who know best. Hannah, let's hypothesise that the voice was in place. How might it play out differently? Well, we should have a a voice that has standing. This is a constitutionally protected voice. Uh, Unlike, for example, the last Indigenous representative body, which was uh, well outside of government, the National Congress was a set up as a PTY LTD body, and and that was actually because the previous National Indigenous Body ATSIC was wound up uh, by the former government, uh, the former um, Conservative government, and that's been the pattern of National Indigenous Bodies. One government sets it up, the next one winds it up as a matter of politics, and that's really disrespectful to First Nations peoples and our issues and our rights to be heard. Uh, so this voice should have more standing and uh, and should be listened to. We have to engage and governments need to engage better, be more responsive and, uh, you know, let's, let's start decolonising uh, really in reality in terms of uh, how government policies and laws are enacted uh, in Australia. Now, the government's uh, copped a lot of criticism over the past week from, well, predictable sources for not providing the public with enough clarity and information about The Voice. Now, has there been sufficient communication, Hannah? Well, Linda Burney, Minister for Indigenous Affairs, uh, has articulated some very uh, clear principles that have been developed with the working group that's been established, The Voice Working Group, and uh, they are that... uh, you know, the voice will uh, be made up of uh, Aboriginal representatives elected from uh, across Australia. It will be an advisory body. Uh, It won't be responsible for programs and funding. But look, the campaign has been in its early days and uh, 
there will be a national week of activation in February. So it's going to take off. Uh, I think that um, the, the criticism has been really simply to derail a very important uh, process that's underway. And that's typical of uh, conservative uh, Liberal governments, unfortunately. We should point out to the listener that uh, Hannah is on the official voice engagement group. Hannah, the fact that uh, the voice leadership, so much of it, Megan Davis, Pat Anderson, Noel Pearson, are all based in the eastern states, must have an influence on how things are playing in WA. Well, uh, we do have uh, members of the uh, engagement group uh, from uh, this side of Australia, and including um, Ken White, the former Minister for Indigenous Affairs, and um, uh, Peter Yu, who's based over east now, um, Ian Trust from uh, the Kimberley. Uh, but certainly there is, uh, you know, a good level of support for voice in West Australia uh, with uh, Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people. Uh, but uh, perhaps it has been more activity over east. I think that when the National Week of Activation is announced, uh, we certainly will see um, uh, more focus and attention, and, and I'm looking forward to that. Dana, what are you hearing about how uh, Aboriginal leaders and communities are, are perceiving it? Do they think the government is, is doing enough? Well, I think you've got you've got a mixed bag, right? I think this is part of the the issue of the way that Aboriginal people have been viewed a lot in Australia, and that is as a monolithic, homogenous group, and they're just not. So not everybody's going to agree, and that's totally fine. I think, um, as Hannah said, we're in the early stages here. Like people are forgetting, uh, it is January. Um, the, the the opposition, for example, are calling for the same things they've been calling for uh, since the prime minister announced that he was going to put this question to the Australian people at the Gama Festival in May last year. So they're ratcheting up their rhetoric, but they're not actually asking anything new. Um, I think among community members there are some questions, and you can't. Uh, ignore the fact that people have lost faith. People have lost faith in institutions and perhaps that's where some of those questions around detail are coming from. And I think that's reasonable. But you've got to sort the reasonable questions um, around, you know, what sort of things will this body do? For example, you know, talking through the hypotheticals of how this body would maybe potentially impact on the situation in the Northern Territory at the moment is an interesting way to sort of uncover what we think it will do in the future. And it's totally fine that we don't know exactly what it will do because the legislation has to go before the parliament. That is the parliamentary process. There's no point putting all the detail to the public because they're not going to vote on it. It'll be the parliamentarians that end up voting for what form this body will take. We're just going to be saying whether we want it or not. So keeping all of that in mind, it's important to sort the dog whistles from the reasonable questions. But, of course, the naysayers will benefit from any confusion because it's so easy to well, to create doubt. Yeah, we've seen this in the past, right, like the 1999 referendum, if you don't know, vote no. Um, and we've seen, we saw that debate about the republic to de degenerate into what kind of republic should Australia be rather than should we just be a republic. So I feel like... Things are repeating themselves. The government's trying to avoid those pitfalls while the opposition is very much trying to guide them into them. 
Hannah, there's a problem with any referendum because the government, much as it might want to see a yes result, cannot fund a yes campaign unless it also funds a no campaign. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And it would be unimaginable in this day for a government that uh, is committed um, to supporting Indigenous people's rights. Clearly, uh, the voice is um, a right to represent the body that's very clearly expressed in the, the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. So how could it then go and fund a campaign to to argue against something that we agree to under international human rights law and, and really something that is so... Uh, so sensible and and fairly modest. Aboriginal people can have a say about laws uh, that affect our people, laws and policies. They can't do that. Uh, but I understand that there will be uh, philanthropic support for um, for the Yes campaign. One hopes so. Now, back to you, Dana. The repeat broadcast of what we're saying goes out on January 26 at, I should point out, the new time of 3pm. It's expected that the Invasion Day rallies will feature some strong Indigenous opposition to the voice. Now, that confuses people. What will they be saying and why? Yeah, I think it does confuse people, again, because we don't tend to broadcast a range of Indigenous views. But what I, th- I understand a lot of these rallies are going to be calling for isn't actually standing against the voice, it's calling for action on treaty and truth-telling. Uh, so we know that's part of the Uluru Statement, the Makarata Commission that will address treaty and truth-telling on a national scale. We also know that many of the states and territories uh, have already begun their own state-based treaty and truth treaty and truth-telling processes as well. So I don't think it's so much going to be standing against the voice as it's going to be more um, calling for action on other elements of the Uluru Statement. Finally to you, Hannah, you've written an op-ed for The Age for January 26 in which you say calling for treaty over voice makes no sense. Well, no, because as Donna's just said, look, we've got treaty processes underway in several states. We certainly do need it in West Australia where we're tackling some some very serious issues with our state government around heritage protection, abuse of Aboriginal children and youth in detention centres, violence against women and the discrimination in the, the legal system. But if we're talking about a treaty with the federal government, then we do need a national Indigenous representative body or voice to be uh, absolutely fundamental to that. You know, I've studied treaties and I work for the ATSIC uh, former body that was disbanded on the treaty campaign and across Australia, Aboriginal people wanted treaty but also wanted to see the constitution reformed in a substantive manner, not just a preambular recognition at all. Now, we've got, we're have got out of time, but before we leave uh, January 26, the movement to change the date has now been joined by the movement to abolish the date. Thank you both very much. Dana Morse, ABC Federal Reporter for Indigenous Affairs, and thank you, Hannah McLeod, Hannah's an Associate Professor at Curtin Law School and a member of the UN Permanent Forum for Indigenous Issues. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations. 
live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.